You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And what is up? Welcome in to this Wednesday episode of GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. As always, we're brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. As you see above our head every single day, ClintHammond.com. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to see what options you may have, Clint is your guy. 803-771-6933 will make this process very easy for you. I can speak to that from personal experience. Clint also... A great dude and huge supporter, not just of Gamecock Central and GC Live, but of South Carolina Athletics as well. As always, I'm Wes. He is Chris. Chris, lots going on, man. A lot going on. And Daddy-O opening it up there on the chat line, unofficial name. We, we don't really have text line, phone line. We'll just call it the chat line there on YouTube, 800 Acres. Talking about, of course, the big announcement yesterday Wes um, South Carolina kind of step one phase one in a big long-term vision and project in and around Williams Bryce Stadium a lot of land that they're um, kind of opening up the process for and um, some future really cool things coming in and around the stadium we don't know what all that is of course and how that may take shape uh, but we do know that process is now formally started it's something that's been in the works. I know some Game, Gamecock fans have picked up some bits and pieces here in the last probably year, last several months, but Ray Tanner mentioned it's been really a two-year process or so yesterday. So uh, we, you know, still a lot of questions, Wes, to be answered there um, as this thing continues, but a potential game changer for South Carolina athletics of being able to kind of transform some of that property around the stadium while using the revenue to improve the stadium stadium experience as well. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. And I, I think, you know, as the hype for this announcement sort of started to generate, people have allowed themselves to, to dream big. And I, I think that's good, man. I think that's going to be good for the future of this project. And, you know, I get it. There's no set in stone like hey this is coming this business is pledged this business is in that maybe some fans wanted to see at the same time this was the first step to the formal process of making this happen and I do think there is some excitement in that as well and sort of looking at this I think Ray Tanner used the words blank canvas to look at it as the potential for really anything and not every athletic department, not every campus even has the ability to do this because you don't have, in most cases, the land to actually logistically make it happen. So I uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, Chris, some of the wording in all this and some of the approach in all this. We know that South Carolina did not have a formal press conference to announce it, but also we know that they had essentially – what was almost like a fact-finding brief with the media prior to their release in the past. I don't want to speak for every single opportunity. I I don't know, but just as far as I'm aware of in the past, you know, you might see, well, hey, here's a release. Hey, guys, here's what it is. They wanted to sort of, it appears, brief the media, give them an idea, give them a chance to process what was going on before actually announcing it. And, Chris, I thought it kind of walked the line between, uh, on one side, they didn't have the big fancy, uh, you know, this is what it could be. Hey, we're bringing Top Golf. Hey, we're bringing this hotel. Hey, we're bringing this, this, this. They didn't really set that stage in order to let people down if it doesn't happen. Like, 
by just saying, hey, this, this, and this could happen. But at the same time, if you read the first sentence of this release, Chris, it says, in what could become the most exciting and comprehensive development project ever undertaken in the Midlands. So not just the University of South Carolina, not just the athletic department, the Midlands. It says the University of South Carolina has started the process to determine the feasibility of a major modernization of williams Bryce Stadium that could also pave the way for development of more than 800 acres of undeveloped USC property situated adjacent with the Congaree River west of the existing Long Family Football Operations Facility. Um, so when you tell me the most comprehensive development project ever undertaken in the Midlands, that's a big sentence, man. And we, we talked about this on 107.5 earlier today. The more we sort of process this, the more we even just talk about it out loud, um, I, I do sort of agree with what we were saying earlier. I think what you're looking at is the potential for a entirely new additional district in Columbia. I, I look at the Vista as a district. You look at five points as a district. The Bull Street stuff they've tried to get off the ground hasn't necessarily played out, I think, the way it was envisioned. Um, North Main um, and the Main Street, actually all of Main Street, yeah, been revitalized the last, what, decade, I guess? So you have these different pockets in Columbia. If this works out, that sentence right there, plus just common sense, plus the fact that they're talking about this blank canvas, most comprehensive development project ever undertaken in the Midlands. That tells me if this thing works out the way they hope that in, I don't know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the hope is that this is an entirely new sort of uh, district of this town, basically. And when you do think about the possibilities, I mean, let's look at just the areas that you mentioned, the Vista, Five Points, Main Street. There's some cool things in all those. And you can think about some of the other things that are just in the Midlands in general. Um, restaurants, uh, bars, you've got some smaller, no top golf, right? But some smaller like activity places that already exist in Columbia. If you can kind of bring that all in the same district, kind of under one roof, so to speak, that's really a really, really interesting idea. There certainly is. I don't I don't know if I know they they did some of this yesterday. If anybody saw the social media videos, I don't know if you've ever been on Google Earth, guys, and and kind of zoomed out and gotten the view of just how much land there is around there. It is a ton. And uh for years and years there's been this push to do something better with this area, you know, and we have seen so many improvements already. You can even talk right around the stadium. I mean, remember when they did just the Springs Brooks Plaza, right? This is so much better than just a bunch of concrete or junk or whatever that was around the stadium. But then it's kind of expanded outward to where now you have Gamecock Park and now you got some things going on in the stadium, like club areas. When you think about, you know, more premium seating, uh, more club areas, maybe more enhanced, you know, Ray Tanner talked a lot about maybe enhancing the student section. You think about some of the basics like restrooms, concessions, upgrades. Think about just the stuff in the stadium is pretty exciting. But then when you expand that outward and you're talking about putting kind of a, I don't know, Wes, kind of a mini entertainment city of some sort, you know, dine, shop, play and stay type of thing. Um, I think that becomes a really, really fascinating idea. Um and, and just has a lot of potential for those types of businesses that I just kind of put in four different buckets, you know, to move in. Well, and I, I think Chris, in order for this to work, you, you almost have to have all that, honestly. I mean, you can't just plop a, Hey, you know, we're going to put a restaurant out there and here's a bar. Yeah. Um, th there has to be a draw. Right. And, and that's one, that's one of the biggest things South Carolina fights with this is, you know, can you make it a reason for people to come out there other than the seven games per year that you have a home football game? Can you make this an area that attracts people? It's been compared, I think, in some ways to the battery in Atlanta as 
maybe the vision, and, and obviously I would expect it to look completely different, but just in terms of maybe the what you hope it could possibly be. However, you got to remember, there are 162 baseball games per season, which means you have 81 home opportunities in order to attract people to a baseball game where they then also drop by your bar, drop by your apparel store, drop by whatever else it is you have there. So, you know, I, I think with this, it, it has to not just be tied to Williams Price Stadium. It has to just, it can't just be tied to football. Now, if you start talking about, quote, potentially redoing Williams Price Stadium, and you start to think about what are your possibilities here, man? Could you have a restaurant or sports bar connected to Williams Price Stadium that also is open year round? You know, that's not just a football thing. Uh, where, hey, come dine where you're overlooking the stadium. Um, you know, it obviously. I don't have to tell people this. The rumors have been out there for some time about the potential of a hotel or a condo or something like that that wouldn't just be in the area. We've seen condos in the area already. Um, there's, I guess, three major ones right there already. Mm-hmm. But the possibility of even connecting them to the stadium or having them directly overlook the stadium. I mean, if you start to get into the idea of this is not just – a facelift for the stadium. This is not just uh, we're going to put some paint on it, um, you know, upgrade a screen, something like that. You know, there there are there are obviously limitations eventually that you're going to hit, but it sounds like their hope. And, and in in some ways, Chris, reading this release, I actually feel like um, the Senate should be a little bit reversed. Um, and I'll tell you all what I mean by that. The The way it is expressed is that to determine the feasibility of a major um, modernization of Williams-Brice Stadium that could also pave the way for development of more than 800 acres of undeveloped USC property. Um, in, in many ways, I look at it as this feasibility study will determine what developments can take place on those 800 acres, which then will actually, you see what I'm saying? It's reverse, which actually will determine how much revenue you can create <laughs> to then shove it back into Williams-Price Stadium. And in some ways, you know, these two things are, are always going to be tied together, but I think some of it will be possibly private development that is directly, um, within or right outside the stadium, but some of it will be, maybe it's not necessarily right outside the stadium, but the revenue from that is giving you the opportunity to upgrade the stadium. Yeah. It's kind of a a two birds with one stone thing. And Wes, I I do think the battery is a great comparison in terms of vision and just being able to, you know, account for all those different buckets of entertainment and and dining and being able to have places to stay around the stadium and to make it an experience that there doesn't have to be a game going on to go down there and enjoy it. And certainly one of the key differences there is I think the battery is like, I know you and I have both been down there. You've been down there more than I have 60 acres ish is what I've read. We're talking about 800, you know, now there's going to be some you know, maybe not all together, but certainly wide swaths of the land are together. And so when you have that much land to play with, there, there's, I don't want to say there's no limitations, but you can do a lot more with that. And that's why they're talking about such a grand scale of, you know, the biggest development project. Now that 800 acres certainly accounts as you scroll here on the video for those that are on it for some different areas. But with that amount of land, you could put Here's Top Golf, and here's a golf course, and here's hotels, and here's a bunch of restaurants. I mean, all those different things in the different locations could theoretically fit, right? And so um, it's really, really interesting, you know, just to think about the possibilities uh, of what could be done with all this land. Yeah. So the phase two of this, which 
I'd imagine it's really like more almost like phase B because I think phase <laughs> one probably is going to be chopped up into 50 other phases <laughs> you think. But because if you think about it, man, if you're, if you're talking about private development, this business is going to be coming on at their own pace. This business will be coming along at their own pace. Um, really, you can chop it up. Um, potentially, you actually hope 50 different ways, 60. You know, you hope you have that many businesses interested in being out there and, and willing to sort of take this initial leap of faith in order for it to pay off. Um, but then the next phase or the other phase, maybe this is almost in some ways completely separate, is to continue to develop around Colonial Life Arena. And um, at first view of this, Chris, I even struggled to figure out what angle we were even looking at CLA. Um, but and I, I don't know if y'all can see my cursor, but you're kind of looking, basically these are the major parking lots around the arena, which... So, Wes, that... To, or immediately to the right of E is 650 Lincoln. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that, gives me, that, that helps my my brain. Yeah. Can you can y'all see my cursor or does it not show the cursor? It's showing it for me. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So that's 650 Lincoln right there. This um, right here would be, and we'll I guess we'll give a shameless plug because I I like the food there. That's Thirsty Fellow right there, um, and then. Back here would be Strom Thurmond Fitness Center, of course. Creek uh, Village, yeah. Excuse me, I'm clicking around. Um, then, of course, there's Colonial Life. So you're talking about the parking areas, which means, sorry, students, you may have even less parking. But you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to replace. I mean, you're gonna have to have some parking garages as part of this. I think you're gonna have to replace that parking. But um, that. That part of the project is cool. It's exciting. Yeah, I get it. But the real vision and the real just kind of holy cow, what could this be? I think comes back to this and just all this green space, and you know, and, and what could it be? And you know, I, I think I got to imagine, Chris, there's already at least some idea behind the scenes of what all this could be. Um, because if they've already been asking individuals about it, then you can guarantee that <laughs> businesses have caught wind of this as well. Let me give you what may be a semi, -con if you can go back to the Colonial Life Arena area, a semi-possibly controversial thing, but I want to get your opinion on it because it has been a talking point. Now, I'm going to say a very dangerous sentence. A lot of people say <laughs> that the Colonial Life Arena is too big, quote-unquote. Okay? What about a dedicated basketball arena for men's and women's sports at USC? And then the CLA still exists and Elton John and the Eagles and all those people can still play, but it's just kind of an event arena. And now you've got a smaller dedicated spot for a basketball arena. Yeah. Thoughts? I, uh, now if that's going to happen, Chris, I think you go all in on getting as many acts. Oh, a hundred percent. As yeah. you can. Um, However, let let me just let me take this thought. Let's take this one step further, Chris. And I I can't really copy and paste on from this screen, but y'all just bear with me. We're cutting out the arena. Hey, all this space out here would actually be a fine place for a new arena. What what if Rather than there used to be this idea of sort of can you and, and other campuses do this, how many facilities can you shove into your campus and, and keep it close? What if all this out here gradually becomes your athletic campus and 
you have your basketball arena out here. And then you're not having to draw people out there just for seven football games. You now have how many home basketball games are there a year between women and men? I don't know what the count is off the top of my head, but you're drawing people to your williams Bryce district brought to you by GamecockCentral.com. Other times as well. Uh, okay. Hey, put it all there. But that's the thing. I mean, they're going to be like, all right, guys, we're not going to rebuild every facility, you know, that we've got. We're not going to put um, the next baseball stadium and the next track and the next tennis. What do you, well, Baseball stadium. What do you think about that, Wes? Down Eventually. by the river? Hit some balls into the river? Eventually. Makes sense. If you look at this as like uh, – I mean, Founders Park is still – relatively new right yeah yeah however it's outdated (laughs) you know it won't be new 20 years from now no no so yeah i don't know man that i think it's going to be really fun to see and it'll be interesting to see if they can pull this off and why i say it like that i i don't think it's going public if they don't have a decent idea of what it could be i really Mm -hmm. don't right then you just still study it yeah, no, I do think there is still plenty of room for whoever wants to be involved to hop in. And, um, you know, I, I think there is, there's some risk in if you're going to have private companies out here. What, what, happens, what happens if some of these companies fail? You know, you, you don't want just this empty building this empty building this empty building all sitting out there doing nothing as well so uh, and if you're the university and you don't really own that business you can get handcuffed a a little bit now i I think the fact that it appears and again maybe i shouldn't assume from the sounds of it i'm assuming south carolina doesn't really have any desire to sell any of their land i think they want to lease their land and keep their asset while taking advantage of the space that they have. Um, you know, so it, it would be, it would actually be maybe even a, a bigger risk, not as much of a risk from a financial standpoint, because you'd have some money up front, but if you sold it and then you're sort of at that point, you're, uh, you're basing whether that spot is successful solely on that private company. And if it's not, that empty building may just sit there. Yeah. Don't let David Tepper make a bid on the, on the land. So, yeah. So these things are not, that's that's a good point, man. How, I mean, I'm from York County. Yeah. I saw headline after headline over all this amazing stuff Mm -hmm. that's coming to Rock Hill. And that stuff was contracted out, you know, like it was happening. Mm -hmm. And then I still can't tell you who was at fault because both sides are like, Blaming the other. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to be careful with something this big and this this massive of an undertaking. However, if you're going to do something potentially special and different and that's going to bring you into the future, you do got to take some chances. You got to take some risks. And you've got to be able – you got to be willing to step outside the box a little bit. Um, yeah. So, this is exciting, man. I'm I'm – I'm very curious to see what's next, what the next step is. I, uh, by the way, shameless plug. So Chance Miller will be on the Garnet Trust Hour on Thursday, 10 o'clock, 107.5. I'll be in there. Kendall Smith is going to stick around from her 9 o'clock show. Chance is there primarily to talk about NIL. However, I will see... I'll I'll get chance to talking and we'll see if we can get him on air to give us a few thoughts or some hints on what he maybe envisions for this space, which I I think will be interesting uh, for the people to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that conversation for for all those reasons. Um, you know, nil and this project. I might have to hang around West just to listen, or I'll listen on the radio, one or the other. I'll definitely be tuning in the Garnet Trust Hour. Y'all also are going to have. Uh, by the way, Ayana Akeley from the women's tennis team, uh, 
fantastic player. So I'm looking forward to hearing from her too. Uh, yeah, I, but I think, man, to go back to the point about the land project, kind of just leveraging what you have. So, so I think the the best programs, uh, sure, a lot of them have tons of money, tons of resources, but the ones that leverage their resources and make the best use of them are generally the most successful ones. And that goes to pro sports, it goes to college sports programs, it goes to just whatever kind of non-sports organization out there and having money helps and this could drive money. Right. But, you know, if you're a school that has, is, is kind of more, um, you know, landlocked, smaller campus, you know, on campus stadiums and things like that, lean into that, you know, that, that needs to be your thing. If you are more spread out as USC is, and they are spread out, um, lean into that and make it work for you and make it an advantage. Um, I don't know, Wes, I haven't undertaken a study of the campus, uh, every college campus out there in the Power Five. I would guess and assume there probably aren't many that have this type of land at their disposal and these types of opportunities. And so it is, in my opinion, very smart to try to maximize the use of that land. And I know it's been an ongoing conversation, you know, at USC for years and years about you know, trying to acquire more land or what to do with this land. And so I think if they can pull this thing off and, and you're right, there are a lot of questions, something this big in scale, it is fair to assume there are going to be problems and hiccups and issues and delays. It's just too massive. Um, but you are able to work around some of the processes that you typically have to go through. If you're say borrowing money to do a stadium renovation in theory, um, this is a much better way to do it. So really interesting to see where it goes. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if Chance can give us maybe a couple minutes, a little bit more breadcrumbs tomorrow about this whole deal. Yeah, maybe a tidbit here or there. And, you know, Chris, important to, uh, you know, mention that last point you're making there. This, and, and this may be easily lost if you haven't like really read through it all. The belief and the hope is that this can be done with, little to no actual funding from the university. So you're not having to go through and raise. I mean, Chris, they'd be having to raise $500 million at this point to get this thing off the ground, I think. And, um, you know, that then you're talking about 10 years, 15 years, you know, before you really are able to, to get it even probably close to your, to what you're envisioning. And there's so many different hurdles that come with that. And I, I think they're trying to avoid those if possible. And it's a, it's a different way to do it. It's a little different than we've seen at South Carolina in the past. But uh, certainly, you know, if it works out, um, it's probably a thing, honestly, that will be copied by other schools that do have, if they have similar situations, they will try to copy this. Um, we're seeing it in the pros, in the NFL and Major League Baseball. You're seeing – stadiums become more than just a stadium plopped down in the middle of nowhere you're seeing it become its own uh, sort of village or district or, or whatever you want to call it right there around it so we'll see uh, certainly we'll be tracking this moving forward uh, I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming NFL combine five South Carolina Gamecocks selected invited for that before we move forward though going to tell you all about our friends at Liberty Tax uh, tax season is right around the corner. 803-462-5576 is how you can call. However, you have many options and how you do your taxes with our friends at Liberty Tax. They have in-person offices in Columbia, Lexington, and Irmo. You can still do it online if you don't want to go in person. If you want to be old school and do it in person, you can do that. Or you can do sort of a hybrid of the two where you would send in your information, set it up online, go ahead and upload your doc documents, and then go meet with them in person. Or if you just want to walk in, that's an option as well. If you owe money to the IRS or if you're really excited about a potential big tax return and you want to get it done very quickly, uh, our friends at Liberty Tax will handle that for you. 803-462-5576. South Carolina Combine um, entries, Chris. Five guys. Mostly what we expected. Um Maybe not completely what we expected. So South Carolina, 
as I pull up the list, of course, um, most of these guys would have been what you thought. Javon Gwynn, Zach Pickens, Darius Rush, Cam Smith, and then Jalen Brooks gets in as well, Chris. Uh, a big opportunity for him. And, um, you know, all those guys, we've already heard some of the different rumblings, the different things out there for where they might go. I mean, Cam Smith, pretty, I mean, pretty much been a consensus that Cam of the group would probably be the first guy taken. But then you look at Darius Rush having a big week at the Senior Bowl. I think certainly stock up for him. Zach Pickens, he's the one, Chris, I feel like I most don't have a feel for where he may go. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, you know, Javon and Jalen getting in there as well. And, and you know, I, I think they'll probably be projected um, to be sort of late-round picks. But uh, what what are you thinking right now, man, with the first and foremost, just the top five, these five guys in general that, that have been invited? Yeah, just from what I've heard, it kind of seems that Cam Smith is in that second, maybe first, you know, but that second-round range would not be very surprising for him. Apparently, Zach Pickens, you know, I know he and Darius Rush definitely got some positive uh, publicity from Senior Bowl week and the practice out there. Got a text from a person who's down and, and down there, who was down there and keeps track of all that stuff and talks to a lot of the scouts and said that Pickens was having a really good week out there and thinks that he could even get up into the second round range. So, you know, maybe second round, a third to fourth round for Zach Pickens, when you, when you kind of get in that range, if if one team that has one of those higher round picks falls in love with you, then then you can go. Darius Rush, I know we covered this a little bit last week, Wes. He's kind of helped himself a good bit to where he's probably firmly in that mid-round range, if not a little bit better. And Gwen is someone that had, uh, you know, got a ton of experience and I think he probably is a later round guy, but this year, Wes probably played himself from kind of a preferred free agent into a guy that has a shot to be drafted in the later rounds. Brooks is interesting because, um, you know, there's been a couple different points where he hasn't been with the USC's team, which he'll have to account for, but he does have speed and he does have the ability to play on special teams too. Uh, he's done some really good things there, which I think could, could end up helping him. Yeah. Man, Brooks had a uh, – Brooks was having a year. Obviously, he stepped up, and people even sort of – I don't want to say question, but it was a conversation where they were like, wow, Brooks is an or starter. Remember when the depth chart came out? It was kind of Brooks or Van, and Brooks was potentially starting, and then he did start, had a great offseason, obviously missed the bowl game, and in this case was not a guy who skipped the bowl game. Um, you know, just had some stuff come up, and – did not get to play in the bowl game, which I, I think, uh, you know, maybe hurt him a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I think he will run well and he will have the size they're looking for too. So will be very intriguing. Generally, you don't get an invite to the combine unless, um, you know, you're going to be in a position to, to be drafted. So I, I think that will be very interesting. Javon Gwynn, man, is just one of those guys you really hope that it can work out for him because I think he's going to have maybe some size limitations as far as the prototypical NFL guard prospect. But talk about just a professional. He has been a professional the entire time he's been at South Carolina. You wonder if Javon can't slide over to center and potentially find a, the right scheme, the right place because he is a guy I think NFL coaches are going to fall in love with because he walks that line of complete professional off the field, does everything the right way, uh, meetings to um, doing the extra things, doing all the little things. To we've we've heard those reports, Chris, too. When the when practice starts, <laughs> Javon's not the guy you want to line up across from either. He's got that mean streak on the field, but it doesn't extend to off the field. So yep. that's, that's a lot. There's a lot to like about him, Chris. <laughs> yeah. He's and great leadership qualities. You know, that was another thing you just consistently heard about that. He's, he's a guy to root for. And the, the reality is Wes, if he were a little bit taller, 
I mean, it sounds silly to say, right? But sometimes just being realistic, that's what people look for. If he were a little bigger, a little bit taller, I think he would be getting even more play as like a big time NFL guy. But we've seen, I think the center idea is kind of interesting. We have seen some, uh, you know, smaller quote unquote, you know, offensive linemen be able to really thrive at positions like that. Great leader, not going to cause you any problems, going to do everything you ask. Really good player um, and can move, you know, and is a really, really smart player with a lot of collegiate experience. So I think you kind of know what you get with Javon Gwynn. And it would not be a surprise for me, Wes, to see him stick around on a roster, however he makes it for quite a while. I do think, you know, one thing to consider, Wes, Nate Adkins, not on that list, Mm -hmm. taught him yesterday. He will participate at USC's Pro Day next month. And I think, you know, Nate had a really good perspective on it. You know, we were talking, I honestly don't even remember if it was on air or off air at the time, but he was just kind of like, I'm probably not a high round guy. You know, he's like, I may be drafted in the back half of the draft. Maybe Um, he does have an agent. And obviously he's put a lot of good stuff on tape, but he's another one I think to watch for that. Maybe, maybe he doesn't even get drafted West, but he's going to have an opportunity, I think, to be a guy that sticks on a roster because he can do so much for you. He's such an old school tight end, I think, in terms of just, um, you know, you have to have a little bit of that O-line mindset, which, you know, he actually played O-line in high school and his dad's an O-line coach and just sort of approaches it like, I don't need the spotlight on me, but I'm going to just show up and do my job. Don't you feel like, um, and I talked about this with Spencer Rattler, I think this was off air. Don't you feel like Nate just could be one of those guys who finds the right spot and then eight years from now you're watching a random NFL game on Sunday and they're like, Nate Atkins, an eight-year veteran, University of South Carolina, um, and he's just stuck around, like probably not you know, going to be a superstar, but you're saying this man is living his dream, playing ball at the professional level. Bank accounts looking pretty good, and uh, yeah, he's just living his best life. <laughs> well, and that's kind of that's kind of that's another thing he said. He was like, "I know that if if a team picks me up in whatever form that is, I'm not going to be tight end number one. You know, he's not going to be Gronk. You know, out there, even though he got he's got the hands for sure. Um, but he he can just he can play special teams, he can snap." Um, he can play tight end. He can, you can put him in the backfield. I mean, he can do all those things and he is a smart old school football player. We've seen certain offenses kind of utilize some guys like him too in the NFL now, which is interesting aside from his special teams ability. So it would not surprise me at all. Um, I mean, different players, right. But we saw Pat DeMarco have what a 10 year NFL career and was a pro bowl guy. So not not the same player, right? But both guys that have kind of a similar skill set and that they can just do a lot of things for you. Yeah. Former NFL pro bowler Pat DeMarco and former GC Live guest Pat DeMarco. Uh, That's right. That's right. Shout out Pat. I don't know which one's more notable. It's it's close. Um shout out Pat. Every every time I see uh, do you follow the last of the fullbacks Twitter account? <laughs> no, I don't. I have seen it. But oh, you need to follow. All of y'all need to follow. Phenomenal. Give them a uh, y'all give them a ten follower boost with this show. Okay, uh, yeah. ten of you to follow them right now. But it's just I think it's at last of the fullbacks, and all it is is just straight fullback love. I love it. Every time I see a tweet from them, I just my brain automatically thinks of Pat Demarco because he he's like the last great fullback. I feel like that. Um, that we've seen, you know, at, at South Carolina, and he was so good, man, so versatile. But, uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Nate's got a chance, and I, I think, uh, you know, he showed down the stretch just how versatile he is. I think if you would have just watched the first half of South Carolina's season, you probably wouldn't. You would say, "Oh, yeah, he's a blocker," and then I think we saw, and we had even heard, we're like, "Man, this guy has good hands." I don't know if we even as proponents of his would have been saying we were expecting him to go up with one hand and <laughs> snatch the ball out of the air with two guys around him. Um, 
but he, he's got some tools to him, which I, I think um, will will here weighing in. I like this. Imagine Nate in a role like the fullback for the 49ers. He needs to find one of these sort of – I don't even know what you call these offenses anymore, Chris. They're like a blend. It's like old school mindset but with modern principles. Yeah. The Niners are some of the best in the league at being like, we're going to be old school because we're going to run the ball down your throat. But we're going to be dynamic and new school and installing new things and getting to it from different looks, involving our big men in different ways, playing our running backs at receiver and our receivers at running back and making you wonder how you're supposed to defend it. Um, a lot of times in the NFL, it is, it's a good point, Will. It's about fit and finding the place that's going to use you correctly, I think. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, with, with Nate's kind of tools in the tool belt – I do think it'll be about the right team. I mean, there's some teams out there that go, not just we don't need Nate Adkins, we're not interested in him, but, hey, we don't really do that type of thing right now. Maybe, you know, hey, we really like him on special teams, but, you know, we could take – we need a DB that can play special teams, and that's not Nate Adkins. So, you know, somebody like a Kyle Shanahan could look at Nate Adkins and say, this guy can play – several different roles for us. And when you're dealing with, I mean, again, Wes, you don't get 85 scholarship guys at the NFL level. Uh, You don't get a hundred something guys total. You get your 53 man roster and that's what you get. And so, you know, for someone like Nate, where you're not just, Hey, I'm a quarterback or Hey, I'm this, you know, if you can be, well, I'm these three things. I can be your backup long snapper. Um, I can be your tight end number two, or I can be your, kind of a gadget player who plays fullback H back and I can go play special teams for you, then you're going to give yourself a lot more value. Um, Yeah. Fred weighing in uh, the guy for the Niners, Kyle, uh, I can never say his name. It's use check. Yeah. That's, that's how you say it. Use check, even though it's not what it looks like. The guy was actually one of the emergency quarterbacks in um, the NFC championship game as well. Just to tell you a little bit about his versatility. Um, pretty cool. Hey, what do you think Darius Rush's draft upside is? Like, what what is the what is like the best he could possibly go? There's a lot of talk I've heard about. What's he gonna run? Um, well, because that, I think he's gonna run a pretty quick time, probably faster than people think. Well, you you had the stat last week about him being the fastest clock player at the Senior Bowl, right? Yes. 21-something. 21 that, that was really interesting. Yeah. Because that <laughs> that may be the one thing that people say, hey, well, he, he needs to run well if, if he runs this time then. So I, I think it's kind of hard to answer that question for sure. Let's say he puts down a 4-4-something. Well, that's probably going to enhance his stock. Kind of the feel that I get right now, like if you like – the whole gun to the head pick, where is Darius Rush? Go? Like, what's the best you can anticipate right now? I might say, like, fourth round, but that could go up. And I could be wrong. But that's just kind of what I hear uh, from from some people in that way. I got a, I got a feeling he's going to end up going third round. Okay, I can see it. Like if I, he runs I, well. Yeah, because I, I think he will run well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm entirely biased. I'll completely admit that. Like, I feel like, um, I'll, I'll be honest about that. I'm biased, <laughs> but I, I think uh, I don't know, man, because he's going to have the height. He's going to mm-hmm. have the length. Showed out at the pro uh, at a Senior Bowl. Yep. Film this past year was really good. Yep. And he'll have, he'll check all the character boxes as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to your point about Nate as well, with Darius, huge special teams guy. Mm-hmm. Big time. Granted, it's going to depend on what team needs what and who they like and who fits their defense and all those things. But I, I do believe Darius will be the guy that has made the biggest jump from what people, especially outside the program, were projecting him you know, two years ago, certainly, to now. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already jumped. Even even if he goes the back end of what we're talking about, that's a big jump from what most people would have had him, you know, a year or two ago. Yeah, and I, and I, I don't know, Wes, a couple years ago, I don't know if Darius Rush would have been on our radar as a, as a draft pick. No, you I know? 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like at all, like a, a pro player. And I, I do it's, – it's hard. I have trouble nowadays keeping up with timelines, but – I think it was before this season you and I were, were talking, and I think you kind of called the, like, Darius Rush is going to play in the pros probably for a while. But even then it was like he may need an opportunity at the pros, mm. not this is a guy that is going to get drafted unless the universe explodes. Like he's getting drafted, and he's probably getting drafted in a really nice slot for himself. So super happy for him. He, he's a great story. I think I tweeted out the other day he's kind of – what college football is all about, right? Like he's, he was not this big time guy, home state kid, got earned a camp offer, went through some things, switched positions, developed, took his time and, and has done every single thing the right way. So a uh, great kid and really looking forward to seeing what, what happens with him. Well, and remember, we didn't even, we didn't know if he was going to get an offer. Yeah. Like I remember we were tracking him. Didn't know if he was going to get an offer. Didn't know if he'd be a receiver. Didn't know if he'd be a DB. Um, there were a lot of questions and he, he really excelled on the track, but it was more, Chris, I think it was triple jump. That was his, I think that was it. Yeah. You know, it was track and field, but it wasn't really, oh, this guy ran a 10, 300. It was other events, Mm -hmm. you know, on the track. So I, um, it was an interesting offer at the time, but has proved, um, you know, there's a lot of development there. Anytime you take a guy from a small school who's, um, you know, kind of a raw athlete and then you have to – you transition him over from receiver to defense, it's going to be a process. But I think that's when – this story right here is actually what makes evaluation and stars and all that stuff an art as opposed to science. Because you really truly never know, man, and you cannot discount – getting in the right place, but you can't discount, um, you know, not to be cheesy, but like the heart of the person, the work ethic, um, the willingness to work through. A lot of people maybe don't realize how many injuries Darius Russ worked through to get to where he is too. So, you know, I, I think you, you always pull for those guys and in all the talk about the business, the further um, commercializing of college football, I think you're right, man. He is the example of what college athletics can still, you know, be about. So yeah. I think everybody in Gamecock Nation will be pulling for him and, and all these guys. It'll be very intriguing to see what happens there uh, moving forward. Um, let's see. What what else have we not hit, man? It I feels like there may be a couple of recruiting things we could hit on. Or, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about – what we heard from Spencer yesterday. If y'all, if y'all didn't hear it, you can go listen to it. YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. It's also on GamecockCentral.com front page. If you hit the news button and just scroll down. Um, I had some people who were struggling to find it, Chris. YouTube is a little bit different now. The live videos and the uploaded videos are separated now. So if you go to YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central, you got to hit the live tab, and that will show you. It still archives all the live shows, but you got to find that other tab, just like you do with GC Live now. It's under that live tab. But um, was there anything in particular, Chris, that caught your attention reviewing what uh, Spencer had to say? Well, I was uh, interested to get his take on the newcomers on offense. You know, he did talk about Nicholas Harbor a little bit, but, you know, that was more – you know, a little bit more big picture and just talking about his recruiting. But uh, I know you asked him about Eddie Lewis, West, the Memphis transfer. Oh, we asked him about the tight ends. And, you know, he talked very highly about Eddie Lewis, said that he was a good route runner, an explosive guy. Obviously, South Carolina is going to be counting on Eddie Lewis a lot this year. So that was interesting to hear. And, and also talked about the tight end room. He seems to be pretty high on that position. Obviously, that group completely cleared out after last season. But he, he praised by name Trey Knox, the Arkansas transfer, and then Josh Simon from Western Kentucky. He had a lot of good things to say from a pass-catching standpoint. 
you know, about those guys. So uh, seems to feel pretty good about, about where they're at from a tight end perspective and with Eddie Lewis, the transfer receiver. Yeah, that, that was something I think, Chris, we'd already kind of heard, picked up on the tight ends, looked the part. Um, but obviously, Eddie Lewis, a brand new guy, hasn't been around very long at all. So I think that was clearly a, uh, a pretty good um, indication there from Rattler. Obviously, they haven't really had a chance to dive completely into the offense and the scheme and all that stuff yet. But, um, you know, early indications are positive, it appears, with the addition of Eddie Lewis from Memphis for South Carolina. Will asking on our chat line, any timeline on Franks or Thompson commitments, of course, uh, referring to Blake Franks and Josiah Thompson, two offensive linemen in state. Um, I mean, I will say yes and no, Will. This month has been publicly identified for Franks, certainly. It's also been said he could decide to push it back. Josiah, you know, honestly, I have tracked a potential Josiah commitment um, several months during this process. So I, I don't know. It's been tracked several times. Um, could be this month, as y'all probably hear the dog snoring in the background now, if you... If you're hearing that, I apologize. Um, he is sawing on the logs right now. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, um, Josiah, it, I mean, I think Carolina has led, honestly, the entire process. Yeah. It's just more of a matter of when is it going to be. It could be this month, don't get me wrong. But I've heard that, I think, probably three other months during this process. Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to – it's kind of hard to predict that one until it actually does happen it, Odds are maybe Wes it just pops out out of the blue, and, and we're not really sure this month, two months from now. Kind of hard to tell. They've been recruiting him since he was like a toddler, I think. I mean, this is a guy they've been recruiting forever and have led for, for forever as well. Uh, I, I co-sign all that. You know, Frank's, again, close battle. Still think probably going back and forth. Think it's probably more likely than not that he makes a decision in February, just because that's what he's really targeted. But it will depend on if he is ready to make that decision, and may not be ready yet because he still um, had some things to think about with both Clemson and South Carolina. Um, top Gamecocks, there's some reason for some confidence there, uh, for sure. But Clemson's still been in that race as well, and uh, got him actually for his last visit. Not that it will definitely be his very last trip, but they had him on campus for the most recent visit Clemson did for Blake Franks. Some perception um, reasons for Clemson not to want to lose Blake Franks to South Carolina either. And they care about that in Clemson. They do. Greenville kid and, um, you know, somebody that they have led for for quite a while until South Carolina kind of swooped in. They've been involved with Blake Frank, Blake Franks for a while too. South Carolina has, um, but this would definitely qualify more as a as a come from behind if they end up landing him. No doubt, man. So we'll can we'll keep tracking that, of course, on Gamecock Central. Uh, good question, Will. Good comments from everybody. Um, we're gonna get on out of here, but we appreciate every single one of you as always. Um, Jamie on Facebook saying a tool to check out is RichlandMaps.com. Shows each parcel and who owns it and how much land it is. Um, good tidbit, Jamie. Appreciate you, man. I have not checked that out at all. But we're going to take Jamie's word for it. And uh, I'm actually going to go check that out now. But uh, for Chris, I am Wes. We appreciate y'all, as always. And uh, we'll see you soon. Y'all have a good one.